Let's make our way back to our seats. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Days like today are just special because it's part of what church does, church family is about. Uh, paying attention to one another, honoring one another, praying for one another, believing the best about one another, and it's good that we get to take a little bit of extra time uh, to do that uh, today and uh, different times throughout the year. Out the year. Listen, if you're new here or, uh, or just now able to join us, we started a series last week called Let's Do Work. Uh, it's based on the life and legacy of Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah, the book is just before, a little bit before the book of Psalms and a little bit after the books of Kings and Chronicles, if you're still searching for it. The verses today will also be on the screen behind me. You can follow along or you have your smartphones, you can have those, the Bible app going on there as well. But the thing about Nehemiah's story is it teaches us so many different lessons. And it centers around the rebuilding and the restoring of the city of Jerusalem and, and, and the gates that are surround that city as well as the temple that sits right in the center of that city. And all the different implications of that has a lot of meaning for us, not for just then, but it has a lot of meaning and power for us today. And so we're going to be taking some time over the next few weeks uh, going through what, what a lot of these things mean. But let me, let me open up with this, this verse here, what Nehemiah says um, in verse 3 of chapter 1. He's gotten word about, about some things. Uh, that God's people were, have been in some dec- a decade, uh, decades of time in captivity to another nation, Babylon. They were living in exile. They were forced to be under the rule and reign of another king, of another culture, of another time, if you will, that they that, that was not accustomed to the way God had called them to live. And so they had been released, and they were going back home. They were going back to Jerusalem, and they were going to rebuild their life. They were going to get back in motion uh, in moving their life forward in the, in, in, in the faith, so to speak, with the Lord, and raising their kids that way, and their offspring that way, and moving forward that way. And here's what Nehemiah got, a word he got from some friends. It said this in verse 3. He said, they told him, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. He said, the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Let me show you kind of an outline picture of of Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah. This is just an outline drawing of that city. No real detail to it other than it's got some components to it. It's, it's got the walls that give the shape of Jerusalem at the time. It's got those other markings that are in, and above them and out to the side of them. It says different types of gates. And then in the middle, you see it says it's got the temple. So what I want to do in this remainder part of, part of this series is I want you to kind of take, take a picture of this and, and picture it, if you will, kind of as that picture shows a city uh, let that picture be reflected of our life. Let that be a reflection of life for you. Uh, a reflection of uh, maybe a church, say ours. And uh, those walls, those walls re- signify and give meaning to uh, life. They give structure to, and provide life. Those gates are 
uh, what I would call spiritual action points of our life. We all have them, and we're going to talk about those. And the temple is this in the center. It's, it's faith. And so let that picture kind of serve as a type and shadow of, of a picture of our life, our individual life, our family life, and our church as a family of God. And, and we're going to kind of look through that. The thing is, so Israel had gone through this time of exile, coming back to rebuild, and Nehemiah gets the word, hey, things aren't going great. They're not really able to do what they need to do. The walls are still torn down. The gates have been destroyed. And, and they, their lives are kind of in shambles and in ruins still. They need some help. They need some direction. And that's where Nehemiah comes in. And last week, we, we, we spent the time kind of opening up this series, kind of laying the foundation for this series, and really kind of explored some character traits about Nehemiah and some things he kind of carried within his spirit that he had. And you can go back and listen to that if you want to get caught up or be reminded of that on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, and go to sermons and you can, you can pull that down and listen to that. But that's where we were last week, and it, it gives us a picture of how, you know, just as Israel went through some seasons and some life changes, we live and we go through life changes and we go through seasons, some good, some not so good, and they can serve us different portions, if you will. Sometimes we go through seasons of setback and challenges and, and, and things that resist us that we kind of have to deal with and go through that are not that great, not that pleasant. But, but as we plow through them and go through them, keeping our hope and faith and trust in the Lord, then we begin to see how God can reshape our life. Because if we're not careful, we can allow those situations. We can allow those scenarios. We can allow those setbacks to then define us and, and, and reshape us. And those things are never meant to do that. God is a God of redemption who takes those things and uses them to reshape us for his glory and his purposes for life that is ahead of us. And so what's needed, like Nehemiah realized and what the people saw, was a reassessment, a reassessment of life. They had to kind of look around the, the condition of where they were at, the condition of life for them at the time. They had to pay attention to what was going on, had to pay attention to what was happening and, and, and not just ignore things and hope that problems just get swept under the rug. Pretty soon, if we do that enough, the rug becomes a pile and becomes a mountain in our life, in our living room, in the core of our heart. And we have to pay attention to things and we have to ask ourselves, what's the condition of life for me? What's the condition of of, of my spirituality and my faith right now. And that's where Nehemiah found himself. And, and I just want to encourage us today as kind of off the heels of last week's message is that may we have the spirit of Nehemiah in our life because of what he possessed and what he had and what was within him to be able to restore, to be able to rebuild, to be able to give hope again, to be able to give the shape of God again in, our, in, in life. And we need that going on in us. And so we're going to look at these gates over over the next few weeks and we're just going to kind of break those down and look at the meaning of those because the work they did then has meaning and purpose for us today for the work we are called to do today as followers of Jesus the work they did then you see each gate had a meaning each gate had a purpose and so we're going to we're going to start Today, with the time we have left today, we're just going to look at two gates. We're going to look at the first and second gate. This works counterclockwise, uh, if you will. And so, we're going to look at sheep gate and fish gate, okay? 
and we're going to talk about that. It has great value, great significance, great spiritual meaning for us today. If you will, turn over to chapter 3. I'm going to read the first couple of verses just to get into this. As Nehemiah outlines it, and he says, Then Eliashib the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. That's where they started. So they dedicated it, set up its doors, building the wall as far as the tower of a hundred. And people from the town of Jericho worked next to them. Verse 3, it says, The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, installed its bolts and its bars. Look all the way at the end of that chapter, the last verse, chapter th- or verse 32. It says, The other goldsmiths and the merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. So it go, it, if you look at the picture, it kind of goes all the way around. If, it's starting with the sheep gate, starting there and the ending with the sheep gate. We'll get to that. Let's pray over this word today. Lord, we need you. We need your help. We need your revelation. We need your understanding. We don't want to just coast through life, Lord. We want to have purpose and meaning, just like as we prayed and prophesied over this couple here today, Lord. We, we, we want their, our life to have purpose for you. And you have given us purpose. So, Lord, open our eyes to your word now. Speak to us and help us to get on track, stay on track, be on track, live on track, and do what you call us to do with our life. Lord, and help me preach this now in a way that will honor you and help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I'm going to aim to do this with these two things today, with these two gates. I'm going to give you practical, I'm going to give you personal, and I'm going to give you prophetic aspect of each one. And then I'm going to try to sum it up in what I call my preaching aspect, if you will. I didn't have anything else to say it by, but other than that. So, I'm going to move quick through these two things. Practical, the sheep gate. It's the first and the last gate mentioned, and it's the first and the last gate restored and, 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 and rebuilt because it's literally where the sheep and the lambs were led through in order to be sacrificed. The sheep gate. Big di- Voila, the light bulb's on. That's where they led the sheep through to be sacrificed. Personal. It's personal because Jesus, it's first and last because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the one who was, who is, and who is to come. It's personal because Jesus is the Lamb who was sacrificed for the sins of the world. It's personal because everything starts with Jesus, continues with Jesus, and ends with Jesus. And if you're looking for scripture notes, you can write these down. Revelation 1, Revelation 22, John 1, and Colossians 1. It's prophetic because it points to the first coming of Jesus, his birth, and it points to the second coming of Jesus when he returns again. Matthew 24, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, and 5, and 1 John 2. The fish gate, it's practical because that's literally where the fishermen would bring their catch of the day through those gates in order to then sell those fish to the community. It's personal because it speaks of evangelism. As Christians, as followers of Christ, Jesus called his first disciples in Matthew 4 and he said, look, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Exactly. The next natural progression that happens after being born again is to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Think about it this way. When a couple's going to have a baby, 
They get excited. People get excited because they start to tell everybody. It's a big deal. You got baby reveals, gender reveals, all kinds of reveals about, you know, we're going to have this child, we're going to have a baby, and, and everybody gets excited as we should be because of the gift of life, because of the joy of life entering this world always should be celebrated. The same with being spiritually reborn. Think about your own life when you were born again, how excited you were, how, how full of joy you were. How, how different you felt on the inside because of what Jesus did in you and what Jesus did for you. You felt loved. You felt free. You felt forgiven. You felt hopeful, right? That's why David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51. Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy of being saved, God. I think we need that. Because we go through life, we live, we go through situations, and it changes us. And it can put damper on our spiritual vitality. But God doesn't want it to do that. It was never meant to rain on our parade. It was always meant for there to always be a rainbow to remind us that destruction will not take us. God will deliver us. God will rise within us. That is the hope of promise in Christ Jesus. And so... It's personal because we're called to tell people about Jesus. Now listen, you don't need a theology degree to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. All that matters is that you have a transformed life. You have encountered the love of Jesus and that is all it takes. It's prophetic, the sheep gate. The fish gate is prophetic because it speaks to that first century church in the book of Acts, where the believers who were on fire for God, where the Spirit came and lit the flame of the gospel, and it caused them to be so filled with the love of God that they went out and turned the world upside down. That's what they were labeled as, people who turned the world upside down. For the Lord. It was speaking to that. They were all fishers of men. The early church knew they were called to be fishers of men, and they went out and spread the name of Jesus everywhere. In fact, Acts says it had a hard time keeping up because the gospel and the church was growing at such a rapid pace, they lost count. So many people giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus, they lost count. Now, Jesus kind of sums it up this way. Look at this in Matthew 22. I'm gonna, I chose the Passion Translation for these few verses. It'll be on the screen here. Jesus brings it all down and sums it up like this. He, he answered a question, and he says, here's the answer. He says, we are to love the Lord your, our God with every passion of our heart, with all the energy of our being, with every thought that is within us, so that is the great and the supreme commandment. The second is like it in its importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments is to love, it, contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Here's what I think the Lord is saying. One of the things he's saying is this. It all starts right here. It all starts here. Loving God 
loving people. Love Jesus and love people. Church, I think we should have never, ever gotten away from the greatest two commandments that sum it all up. That's the starting point of our whole thing of this entire journey of life with God is to love Jesus with every passion of our heart, with all the energy of our being, and with every thought that is within us. Do I live that way every day? No, I sure don't. I wish I could stand before you and tell you there is not a day, a minute, a second that goes by that I'm not so passionately loving Jesus. All my energy is devoted to Jesus, and every thought I have is Jesus. I wish I could tell you that. But it doesn't mean we should not aim our life in that direction. We should always get up every day aiming our life in that direction to love Jesus with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole mind. We got to make this tired body sometimes tell ourselves, love God today. There's a great pull towards the world. There's a great pull of, of affection for other things than the Lord. But tell yourself, I'm going to love Jesus today. I screwed up yesterday. I fell short last week. I wasn't on point last year. But Lord, today and as I live this moment today, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to aim to love other people even if they don't really like me. I'm going to love them. It all starts here, the sheep gate and the fish gate. It starts with the sheep gate, loving Jesus. What's the condition of this sheep gate in our life today, church? What is the condition of this gate? It's not a question of condemnation. It's more of one of reflection. We got to pay attention. What's the condition of our sheep gate? What's the condition of our fish gate in our life it's loving other people it's no secret that we are in such a divided time in this country and in this world and church there's no greater moment than the, than the time now for the church to be a united front to be a united front we love jesus and we love other people that's the way we're called to do it. What's the condition of this gate? It's not a question of comparison. It's more of a question of conviction. How well are we loving others? Did you know that Jesus actually said that he is the sheep gate? John 10, let's look at it. John 10 will be on the screen, verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, he ain't going to lie to us. He's not going to lie. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. He is the sheep gate. All the way back to the day of Nehemiah, all the way back to the time of Jerusalem, way back when, that gate was built first. That gate was restored first because that gate represents the salvation that God gives to the world. That gate represents Jesus. Jesus is our sheep gate. Has your life entered the gateway of Jesus? 
I'm not talking about a little nice prayer. I'm talking about has your life entered the lordship and the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you really made him savior and have you really made him lord of your life? Jesus brings salvation. Jesus is salvation. Jesus brings redemption. Jesus is redemption. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on. He carries on. And he says this in that same conversation. Not only do they come in through me to be saved. He says they will come and go freely and they will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. They come and they go freely and they will find good pastures through me, through the sheep gate is what Jesus is saying. So Jesus not only is and brings redemption, but Jesus is also and brings deliverance to our life. Question four is how free are we? How free are you? It's one thing to get born again. It's another thing to step into another dimension of Christ for our life to come and go through him and to experience the freedom that he brings. Did you know there's really not a stronghold or any issue in life that Jesus cannot handle? Doesn't mean we won't need the assistance of other things or other people. It's just that we first have to put faith and trust in Jesus, who he is. He's the sheep gate, he saves us. He's the sheep gate, he redeems us. He's the sheep gate, our lives are meant to go through him, interact with him, flow through him, and as a result, we know and find freedom. That we don't have to be bound. Our minds don't have to be twisted. Our hearts don't have to be conflicted. Our souls don't have to be tattered. Our lives don't have to be weak. No, our lives and who we are can be built up and be strong. And as a part of the song we sang earlier, we can live in the victory that Jesus brings. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave did not prove that he gets up from bad things, demoralizing things, destructive things, then why in the world would we ever follow him in the first place? He got up from the grave. He came back from the dead. He is at the right hand of the throne of God the Father, always making intercession for us. And victory in him is always possible. Our lives are meant to not only just get saved in Christ, but then to experience the freedom that Christ can bring. The freedom that Christ can bring. How free are you? I want to encourage you, don't allow your life, not one more moment to live in bondage, to live controlled by strongholds, to live in any way that is not victorious in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about you got your life all together and you never have an issue anymore. I'm talking about right now in your world, in your life, why would you want to live in any kind of torment when Jesus can liberate you? Why would you want to live hopeless when Jesus is hope? Why would you want to live in shambles when Jesus can put your life together and keep your life together? How free are we? He's the sheep gate. Have you said yes to him? Have you acknowledged the salvation 
and the redemption that he brings. But then that good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we're called to tell the people about it. We're called to share the good news of the gospel with other people. Again, you don't need a degree to educate you on how to tell somebody God loves them. You live it, you experience it, and you share it. Should we study to show ourselves approved? Absolutely, the Bible tells us that. What I'm just talking about in just general, real world, talk to talk, people to people, life to life, is this people want to be loved. People want to be seen. People want to be heard. People want to be felt. People want to be acknowledged. People don't want to be forgotten. People want to be, have somebody to tell them there is hope for their life. Friends, who else is going to do it but the church of Jesus, the people of God, the followers of Christ? We are the ones who are compelled and commissioned to do this sort of thing. And that is why the fish gate is so relevant. That's why it was second to be restored. That's why it was second to be built in the first place. Because we must have Christ as salvation, but we must also tell others about the gift of salvation that Christ has given us. Jesus gives every believer the mission of the Great Commission. Look at it in Matthew chapter 28. He gives, a, he gives every believer, every born-again person, everyone who calls himself a Christian, the mission of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, Go make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. He ends it with this stamp. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are each given this mission to share our faith with other people and to help walk with people to help them to develop and grow in their faith. That has never changed. That has never changed. That has always been the great commission, part of who we are called to be as believers in Christ. Church, let's ask this question, how well are we doing this mission? How well are we doing this mission of the Great Commission? Not a question of shame, but a question of challenge. I'm so thankful. God uses so many different people in different ways. In fact, he says it this way. He says, some are called, some I use to water the seed. Some I call to plant the seed. Some I, I call to just be a part of, of, of different parts of that process. I'm so glad that one, my, one of my, my very first youth pastors, he sowed the seed of interest in my life. My family and I, we had just started going to a church in Memphis, and we were sitting. Oh, I remember sitting on this side, my, my left, your right. I was sitting about where you are, brother, Mark. Where you are, and the youth pastor came up before service, and, and, and we were new, and so he was greeting us, and he saw me as a young person, he's like, hey, we have youth group on Wednesdays, you know, like we do today, and he's like, are you, you think you can come, and I just kind of sat there quiet, because I was like, man, I don't really want to go, I don't like church, I don't even want to be here, I'm telling myself this, and my mom and dad sitting beside me, and, 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 and I look over at my parents, and they go, he'll be there. And the rest is history. 
rest is history, Jeremy. He didn't do anything real spiritual, but other than just acknowledge me. Planted the seed of interest. And then by the time I got to our, our second youth pastor, he was the one God used to water that seed. And he put good people in my life to help cultivate that seed. And begin to open my eyes up that, man, I can love the Lord. I can live for him. And I can trust that, man, he's got a great plan for my life. I can follow him because somebody took the time to plant the seed and somebody else the Lord used to water and cultivate that seed. You know, kind of looking back, that was uh, going on 29, over 29 years ago now. Looking, thinking about that and just kind of reflecting on just some practical thoughts about sharing faith. Because... um, I, in my own life, I want to become stronger and share my faith outside of preaching to you guys every week. I have a life too. I get out. I have fun. Some would say I don't, but (laughs) some would say I could probably have a little more fun than I have. Probably some would say you could be more fun than you are. I'm not going to say who the someone is. But it kind of got me, <laughs> kind of got me thinking. There are people I, I talk to and inter, in, come in contact with all the time out, out in, just in life, period. I thought I'd share, you, share these thoughts with you as they have challenged me. Again, this part is a challenge. Practicals of sharing our faith. One, pay attention to the people we're around. I know it's such a radical concept, but it kind of is in our fast-paced world. So just pay attention to the people we're around. And when we're at work, pay attention to people. I know you're focused on your job, but pay attention to people. In school, I know you're there to learn. I know every student, that go, every teenager that goes to school, you're there to learn. I get that. I know it's like your number one priority every day is to wake up. I'm going to learn today. I'm not going for my friends. I'm going for me to educate myself. Say that tongue in cheek. I do have a sense of humor. But may we pay attention to the people around us. Number two, be, be present in the moment with people. Be present in the moment with people. Listen to what they're complaining about. Or listen to what they're celebrating. Look in their eyes. Maybe even people that you may not normally would interact with. Try to be present. May we try to be present with people in the grocery store. I know we shop online and pick it up. But I've had to go in Walgreens the past two Fridays. And I thought at the time I was going, I'll get in and get out. I can get on with my errands and do what I need to do. The line was so long. The first time I didn't do so well, I hopped to three lines thinking I could get out of here fast. 
Every line was slow. But the third line, I'm thankful the Lord is kind. But there was a, a worker there who got off her shift in it and she was checking out too and she followed me to the third line. I thought, you know, if I tell a worker, hey, it's busy in here, she might give me the hookup and get me to the front of the line or something. I know none of you think that way, just me. I'm evil, I promise, it's bad. She goes, yeah, they've just been busy. <laughs> I gotta go. So I go to the photo area to check out. That was the third area I landed. And she comes there. She's behind me to check out. I check out. The lady's real nice at the counter, but then she's checking out. She's from pharmacy, and she's checking out, and she's saying something about graduating soon and all that, and I, and, and I, I stop. Thank, I'm, it's not me. I'm not tooting my horn. I just felt like I need to actually be like Christ right now. So I stopped. So where are you graduating from? Lambeth. I said, that's where my wife graduated from. Really? Yeah. I said, listen, I'll be praying that you do well. I think she's talking about exams. I'll be praying that you do well on your exams. And she just said, thank you. Then I go back to Walgreens again this Friday. Same, same thing. Line's long. I don't understand it. I do now because the Lord tried to teach me something. I'll be, I got like one thing I got to buy. Get it, get out, go to the line. There's like six deep, man. One, one person checking people out. I could tell she was struggling. She was doing her job saying, hey, welcome to Walgreens. As people walked in, they're like, man, I wish they weren't here. You know, that's the way it looked. I didn't say she was saying it. It's just the way it looked. And I thought, okay. So I get up to her. Say, hey, how are you? She didn't expect me to engage in conversation because she had been busy. And she goes, I'm okay. I said, I'm glad. I said, thank you for helping. Now, for me, that's hard. Not to be nice, but to not be in a hurry. I'll just leave it at that. Number three, patiently persist with people. What do I mean by that? the ones that the Lord puts in your life that you see on a regular basis, may we patiently persist with them. We don't know what they're all bringing to work. We don't know what all they're bringing to school, right? Look for that head shake. But the Lord puts them in our life every day for a reason. Like that person who's calling. May we learn to just be patiently persistent with people whose phones ring at church. Just be patiently persistent with people and just, you know, love them anyway. Not think bad of them because they didn't turn their phone on silent. Or not know where the button is that, you know. Number four. <laughs> number four. <laughs> That's funny. Number four, may, may we pray for people privately when we say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Come on, let's just actually do it. Amen. And may we be willing to pray for people publicly and not be ashamed 
what anybody's thinking. Amen. Many miracles have happened when we took that bold step and prayed for somebody publicly. Number five, may we push ourselves to rely on the Holy Spirit and the gifts he brings because Jesus said it, I'm with you always. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I did that in record time for me. Somebody said, yeah, you did. Is it build your kingdom or? Okay. This is an anthem of our church during this series. It's called Build Your Kingdom. Please don't look at the clock. It's 12.03. I'll tell you what time it is. I preached in 34 minutes. That's pretty good for me. It'd be a shame, though, if we didn't take advantage of these last two or three to reflect on something. I want to tell you this. This is where it starts. Loving Jesus, loving people. It always has and will continue to be. As individuals, as households, as a church, if you have not entered the gateway of Jesus for salvation, you can today. We'd love to pray with you. If you're here today and you're struggling just in general in your faith period, we want to encourage you and pray with you. If you want more boldness to just share your faith, as Will I Am said, be nice. Be different. Be nice. I promise it'll change your life. Please tell me I'm not the only one who knows that song. No, I okay. got you. Just more boldness to share our faith. We want to pray for each other to do that. Here, I say that to say this. None of us are perfect at any of this.